Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss detecting malware is as easy as pie. Next up, phishing emails cause a cloud of suspicion. And of course, our fun game, Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 108, recorded on January 14th, 2022. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. Malware, I can't take no more. It ain't no lie. I want to see you out that door. Raspberry Pi, Pi, Pi. LaBelle, with me, co-host Tim. How can I possibly follow that intro, Helming? And last... But certainly not least, Taylor, 404, pun not found, Wilkes Pierce. Welcome, gents. I know how you feel, Tank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a beautiful rendition of that song. Thank you. Thank you, Kelsey. You're welcome. You know, I practiced the, as soon as I knew that intro was coming. That's just all I've been doing. My poor wife That's... has just been hearing me destroy NSYNC's art. So... Well, there you go. I think uh, I think that was worth it. So, thank you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we could just wrap here, and it'd be a very successful podcast. <laughs> Perfect. We can keep going, but bye, bye, bye. No, okay. Um, <laughs> well, it's nice to have you both back. We are doing an accelerated timeline for folks who are tuning in or, or keyed into our production and recording process because. Here at Domain Tools, we will be observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day, MLK Day, on Monday, which is very important. And we're excited to spend the day volunteering and reflecting, so we won't we won't be recording this podcast. So we're doing this on Friday, and of course, as we were all discussing right before this recording, some major stuff happened after we had prepared. So know that we're probably not going to be covering the news you expect us to be covering, but of course, we'll put potentially a little asterisk or footnote on that. And we'll have to come back for it potentially in episode 109. So our first article of the day is detecting malware is as easy as pie. So in case anyone needed another 3.14 reasons to love raspberry pies, there's an interesting new technique that companies can apply to detect malware without needing any software. And you guessed it. It's powered by raspberry pie. This episode sponsored by <laughs> Raspberry Pi. Um, and yeah, but I think for the first thing is for any poor soul deprived of the sacred Raspberry Pi, what is this miracle tiny computer, Tim Helming? Yeah, I'm looking at one uh, over on another part of my desk here. So that uh, sweet, sweet fruit confection you're talking about is, uh, well, it's basically the number one giveaway prize for all the cool organizations. Uh, it's a very small computer. It's about the size of a traditional PC mouse, and it runs a flavor of Linux called Raspbian. Uh, it runs that natively, but you know you can load it up with other OSs if you want to. And uh, it's very flexible because it is a full-featured computer. It's not the fastest thing in the world, but it is definitely capable. You know, it's got the inputs and outputs that you would 
expect with your uh, USB-C and your HDMI and your audio ports and, uh, and so forth. Um, so, uh, and it's, they've got Wi-Fi chips and, uh, so they're, they're very full featured, um, and they're really inexpensive. I forget what the latest one, I think they're like 35 bucks or something like that. And, you know, if you're getting a slightly older generation one on eBay or something, it's 10 or 20 bucks. So, uh, you know, people have applied these things to all kinds of applications. Sometimes people will run like their media servers at home and some people have built these huge Pi clusters to actually develop, you know, some some real horsepower, and then uh, you know sci-fi level malware sniffers. I'm just imagining people walking down a hallway of a of a spaceship, kind of probing and getting flashing lights and whatnot when malware shows up. I want to train my dog to sniff out malware. Right, they can smell you know diseases and whatnot. That's a that's such a good idea. Yeah, a cyber dog, cyber dog. Mm. Yeah, definitely one over on Rover. (laughs) Oh my gosh! And thirty five. A lot of Kelsey vocal talents this week. Nowhere to Fido. We've got Fido. (laughs) (laughs) We'll play it, Tim. Oh my gosh! Well. It probably comes as no surprise to our listeners and readers that malware continues to be a challenge. What a shock. And the world of IoT or the Internet of Things isn't exactly helping. So, Tim, can you add some color commentary on this particular topic? Well, Kelsey, shall I compare IoT to a bummer day? Thou art computer and yet also not. Thy vendors think but little of defense. Yet throw thee to the internet's wiles and foes, to firewall or not to firewall. Tis never much of a question with these things. And so defenders look with no surprise at the large misery IoT brings. Was that an iambic timtameter? <laughs> Why, yes, it was. <laughs> Do you think Shakespeare would have appreciated A-B testing? <laughs> oh my God! I I feel like this is probably there. There's a a punchline coming here, and I can't <laughs> quite uh, come up with what it is. But uh, he probably did A B test his stuff, though. You know, uh, well, if it's iambic pentameter, is, is it A B C D E testing? That's true. You can't oh, forget about point. the C D and E. Right. He's like A B A B. That's boring. You know. <laughs> so is it A B versus C D versus? Anyway, going down a bit of a, <laughs> a tunnel here. Um, wow, Tim. Did you just have to one-up my um, my one lyric from NSYNC with an entire iambic pentameter Shakespearean verse? It's, That's impressive. It's not a legal sonnet, so, you know, it's not, it's not that great. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. I've never heard that legal, illegal sonnet before or not a legal sonnet. That's, that's beautiful. Wow. Um, <laughs> I know there are reports of a team of researchers at France's Research Institute of Computer Science and Random Systems. Actually, sorry, I'm going to... Oh! Um, Sacré bleu. <laughs> I feel like I could say these things because I am I am French, I will say. So I, I feel La like belle. I have the right... Yeah. Yes, of course. I'm French Canadian, though, which I discovered later in life than I'd like to admit. And that was a, a moment of crushing 
challenge to self-identity, I will say. Yeah, it's just a weird <laughs> accent. It's okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. So these these brilliant folks at France's Research Institute of Computer, Computer Science and Random Systems, they've applied the power of pi. But what have they discovered and created through this research that they've compiled? Truly, it wondereth the eye to behold this object, a malware scanner on the humble pie, which doth use the RF waves and an oscilloscope equipped with probes to hearken to the songs of malware's voice. For the infected sing, though they know not, but the malpie heareth all that they tell, and compareth the airs of the pwned with all the joyous melodies of those not, and rendereth judgment on the state of the probed, all things computer make these RF waves and tell their truth to those with ears to hear. These French have wrought a marvel on the pie, the truth to find a new mode for defear. Wow. I can't believe this hasn't happened on our podcast before. This is beautiful. I'm just, I, I'm just in a weird mood today. What can I say? <laughs> just feeling poetic or are you just. I wrote some, Wha he's waxing uh, poetic. I, I, I wrote some technical <laughs> documentation one time in iambic pentameter like many years ago. Oh and uh, I haven't really I haven't really done it since. That's wow. A little revisit. <laughs> that that last one also was not particularly legal for those who wind up going and, you know, parsing it. You'll see that it doesn't it's it doesn't all scan. But as the so, kids say, Tim, it apologies. slaps. It slaps. Hey, yep. all right. <laughs> I don't know if they say that anymore, though. That's the sad thing. I don't even know what kids say. Can't even joke about it. Oh, gosh. Okay, so how accurate is this system they have created? I, I see that sounds sort of like that almost makes me think of Darth Vader saying, don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed. <laughs> uh, all right. I Sorry, I have to ditch the iambic pentameter. So. <laughs> Their claim is that it, uh, quoting here, predicted three generic and one benign malware class with an accuracy as high as 99.82%. So it seems like, as far as clever stunts go, this one's pretty impressive. And I, that's probably not fair to call it a stunt. But if they continue this research, the really interesting thing from my perspective is to see how fine-grained they can get in terms of detecting specific malware families and variants. But even just being able to determine in a non-intrusive way which devices are infected is quite interesting. And I, uh, I could, I mean, it could have some real world applications if it's proven out. So Tim, are there any natural advantages to part of the way that the solution was created that would help defenders in particular? Well, so the claim of the authors of this paper is that there's no way for malware authors to evade this kind of detection, uh, which would certainly be wonderful for defenders if that's true. Now, I'm a little bit skeptical about that, and I will admit that I haven't read the full research paper that's behind these findings, uh, so I'm going out on a little bit of a limb here. But I would expect that by manipulating things like the timing of various system calls in a random way, because it's, it's these different calls and functions that the processor is doing that creates the signature in the RF, right? So if you introduced some randomness to that and said, it's going to do all the same things, but it's going to do them with random timings. And to the extent that it's permissible, 
um, maybe to do some of them in different orders. Uh, then, and if you have something built into the code that says we're gonna use a random number generator that's gonna decide what the timing is gonna look like as this thing executes, I would think that that might make it possible to mask these RF signatures of any given piece of code. Now, having said that, even if I'm right about that, are the ransomware gangs gonna just drop everything and start looking into how to do that? I don't think at all, at least they're not gonna do that anytime soon. They would only have a reason to spend their time and efforts and energy on that if this technology became widely adopted. And I think there are some challenges to that. Yeah, that's a great point. I think an example that historically has been malware targeting Apple or Mac OS, I should say, rather than you know traditional PCs and Microsoft OS, um, which of course has changed over time as more people have picked up Macs and that type of thing. But that'll be that'll be interesting to keep an eye on because there has certainly been a proliferation of IoT devices that do not have security in mind. So there is there's opportunity there. But to your point, um, how much will this defense mechanism be used? Yep. Yeah. Is, is AWS going to have folks walking up and down the rows in the data center with a with a Raspberry Pi sniffer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And does being virtualized inhibit this? You know, like there's a. a <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. In fact, they'll probably have those. What are those robots they use in their fulfillment centers? And they'll just be programmed to respond to the the sound of the uh, the bad sniff noise. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of the bad sniff noise. I love it. That sounds like a, a Frank Zappa album title. <laughs> Well, Tim, I think the, the last question here really is, how quickly can this research turn into practical application? Well, I see two challenges here, and we just touched on one of them as, a second ago. But So one of them is just simply running this technology through all the usual processes that you have to um, if you want to productize something. And, you know, there'd be more research, lots and lots of different kinds of testing, sorting out the intellectual property and... Uh, all that stuff. But the other, which I think is the bigger challenge, is scale. So you have to physically probe the devices. I mean, you don't have to touch them, but you have to have the scanner close enough to detect the RF. And those waves do not travel very far because the actual energy level in them is extremely tiny. So either you have to have humans or robots, like we're talking about, or something cruising around the protected environment and scanning these things, or you have to have uh, some kind of network um, of these little scanners like installed all over the place or at least antennas for them that are installed all over the place to cover all the devices you have. So if you can imagine if you've got hundreds of thousands of devices or if you've got devices that are installed out in the field in all kinds of places, well, how, how the heck do you get these scanners to them on a regular basis? So I think there are for real challenges. But you know, at the same time, there may be use cases where um, for looking for compromised IoT devices in the field, where you have an operation that doesn't have an outrageous number of these devices, maybe there's some regular maintenance pattern where uh, humans or robots or whatever actually come close to the device all the time. Maybe there's something that could be done in that way. So we'll have to see. This is a really interesting story. 
Yeah, now, now hear me out, Tim. Now, what we'll do is we'll have it set up kind of like a proton pack from Ghostbusters, you know? You just kind of walk around aiming that yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. Uh, sign me up. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, you know, I want the red, uh, I mean, red, I don't know my colors, uh, the yellow and black stripey hazard tape all over all over these things. <laughs> yep. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I think we've just created uh, an entire industry in this podcast. You know, actually, uh, if you need to cover a huge, vast area in an incredibly short period of time, I'm thinking you need to you need to get in touch with Santa Claus because mm. uh, because he does that right. So uh, maybe there's some, maybe there's a new gig for him in the off season. <laughs> oh gosh, well, Tim, thanks for digging into this research. This is really interesting, and. Um, I think we'd like to tend to end with our discussions around our hoodie rating scale, which is from zero to 10. Zero is pretty much neutral and, and 10 is very bad. And this is, of course, playing off the cliche of a hacker in a hoodie. So how many defenders does it take to resolve or remediate? Um, the flip side of this scale, not to, to bias answers here, is kind of a, like a goodie rating. Um, and so I've just curious taylor i'll start with you what would you rate this at on the the hoodie or the goodie scoring system <laughs> you know it, it's interesting i'll say uh you know it, anytime someone's looking at a kind of a novel way to go detect this kind of stuff i'm 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 all i'm ears wide open for it i'll say that from a practical uh side of things it, it does it seems like there's some some major hurdles in between this and being useful and and you know the idea that the defenders are going to you know want to spend a ton of time on this I, I don't know maybe they'll get there but it's, i feel like you know we should really focus on on the basics of of detection logging layers <laughs> all that good stuff um before we get into the esoteric stuff but it is it is really interesting and it's it's a you know, I think it represents a way to think about this um, that maybe we haven't explored a whole heck of a lot. But it's so kind of out there and experimental. I, I don't know. Let's give it, um, you know, two goodies for, for having a cool idea. Two delicious warm cookies for the people over in France. Two goodies. That's what I think of when I think of a goodie. Hot, fresh cookie. Yeah, don't clear your cookies. These are going to be good. They're... <laughs> Tim, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it does come back to that practicality. You know, it's really cool to be able to wirelessly probe these things when you don't have a network connection. But, you know, actually wires turn out to be real nice when you're trying to, you know, carry out probes of things over a network from a distance remotely covering a lot of ground. And I really do see that as a big obstacle. So, uh I'll be I'll be a little bit more generous. I'll give it three goodies and I hope that's not that doesn't sound negative. Like I think this is awesome. I just don't it it's hard it's very for cool. me to see how you get how you get to something practical that defenders can use down the road. Um but what I'm guessing is that maybe there'll be some niche use case where it's just perfect. And and I hope there is. I it sounds pretty cool. But I'll I'll give it three for now. Goodies, Obviously, CyberDog is going to help the scale. Woof. Without a doubt. <laughs> well, yes, regardless of if we can put this into practice tomorrow, 
fascinating research. I love that they're thinking out of the box on these types of things. Um, invoking a new sense in security, which is fascinating in a sense. So our next discussion today is phishing emails cause a cloud of suspicion. So enterprise email security vendor, Avanon, recently observed an uptick in a new technique making use of Adobe Cloud as an attack vector. So Taylor, for those who have never known the trials and tribulations of Photoshop or InDesign or any other Adobe product, what is Adobe Creative Suite and more specifically, Adobe the Cloud? Cloud. Yeah, you know, uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, I think, is probably the second most loved cloud launch of, of 2013, uh, right after SimCity 5, I think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, so <laughs> Adobe Cloud was launched uh, yeah, back in the day as a part of Adobe's efforts to move out of perpetual licensing into a software as a service model. Uh, you know, I, I, the investors loved it. <laughs> the finance folks love it. The users hated it. Uh, but here we are eight years, nine years later. And, um, you know, it, it's it's made itself a little more useful in terms of, hey, you, know, you can get downloads of all the products very easily for different platforms. You can share files across devices uh, and all that good stuff. But you can also share files to other Adobe Cloud users. And so in this scenario, what our, our, the good folks over at Avanon found were uh, adversaries were standing up Adobe Cloud accounts and then building out a, um, a, a PDF and then sending that over to victims inside of the Adobe Cloud, which generated an email into the inbox of the victim saying, hey, you got a PDF from so-and-so. Um, the PDF itself, also not like benign in terms of uh, payload. It's not like, you know, it doesn't contain malware or obfuscated Java code or anything crazy like that, but it does include uh, a lit, like a, another uh, like credential harvest or credential page. So say, hey, you've got to log into Office 365 to get to this document, which then takes you, links you out to a credential harvesting page. Uh, where you can drop in your creds for the for the bad guys. <laughs> That's a lot of steps. <laughs> <laughs> That's a committed victim in a way. Um, yeah, and it, because there's so many steps to include in that process, I do highly recommend if you're a visual person checking out the linked article here because it, yes. it shows you step-by-step, step, which is always really useful. So can you maybe highlight again how adobe cloud because i know you just touched on this but how specifically it was incorporated because this, yeah I, yeah that'd be helpful so so kind of the, the kicker of this is that uh, you know as an adobe cloud user when you send a pdf to somebody or send a file to somebody i should say it doesn't have to be PDF. that's what they're using in this case uh it, it generates an adobe email so it skips past any email defenses right so you know it's Yes, we're going to register a spoofing domain that, that at the end of this folks will get to, but that your entry point into this is very like, hey, here's a here's a message, you know, here's an email from Adobe saying you've got this PDF. If you work a bunch in Adobe Creative Cloud, this is probably a message you've seen before, right? And so it flies right past any type of filters, lands directly in the inbox of victims, looks super official. The PDF itself is clean. So right there, Adobe will tell you, hey, there's nothing wrong with the PDF. Uh, and then it delivers you to that kind of last landing page where it'll go, go and try and grab your credentials. And do you 
feel this attack is sophisticated? I mean, is this like a uh, an attack dressed in a tuxedo, a Canadian <laughs> tuxedo, sweatpants? What are we talking hmm. here? You know, maybe Canadian tuxedo. It is funny. It's because like when we like a couple weeks ago, we talked about that that Pegasus NSO spyware, which is incredibly you know intricate and complex, and and uh, you know the. the the folks that needed to build that were were really on on something there when they were doing it. This is is uh, elegant in its simplicity, I'll say. Like leveraging, piggybacking on the Adobe Cloud service to get in the inbox of your users. You know, you skip a lot of steps. You, you make your, in terms of delivery, your life a ton easier and you get yourself a lot of credibility with the user, especially when they land on that PDF. And it's like, well, there's nothing wrong with this PDF. There's no malicious code or anything in here. Um, so, you know, is it sophisticated? No, but the, the the stuff that works doesn't have to be, uh, particularly in the phishing space. Like the, the there's an elegance in the simplicity of it, I think. Despite the fact that like the landing page there is like there's lots of grammatical errors and kind of, um, you know, opting for for self-selecting victims potentially there. Uh, but like, you know, the as far as like the the stuff they're leveraging to get stuff in front of users, I think that's what's really clever about it, um, you know, that they were able to piggyback on that. Absolutely. And I think my final line of questioning for you here, Taylor, is just what is the relative level of concern you have based on the this type of campaign? And like you're saying, this maybe creative approach. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's just representative of an ever growing attack surface, like an individualized attack surface that we all have. Uh, where, you know, we talk about like supply chain and, and, and vendor supply chains for uh, for for enterprises and, and large organizations. But, you know, each and every one of us has our own supply chain uh, that we add to, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with, with new apps and new ways to interact between the apps and the different portals that we find ourselves in and the credentials they're in, you know, um, is this itself some type of, you know, crazy thing like like a, like a emotet or, or something that we're going to be battling like a log forge? No, not 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 by a long shot. But are we going to continually see, uh, you know, this type of like leveraging kind of authorized services to deliver things? Um, I think we saw this with, uh, and I don't know if we chatted about this, but the the Google Docs kind of version of this where, you know, you can send a Google Doc to another Gmail user um, that itself is benign, but then has a link inside of it out, right? This is just kind of another version of that. Um, you know, I think we're going to just continually see this more and more as that surface area grows for each of us. Will it be like um, everybody has their own footprint when it comes to an environmental standpoint and we're all going to have our own like <laughs> cyber footprint we already do it's too late yeah, it's too late <laughs> my myspace is already out there and it's over i wasn't <laughs> in your top to eight and that made me real sad that made me real sad <laughs> i'm except tom and taylor i'm sorry i thought you liked wearing white shirts i'm standing in front of whiteboards i was just so confused oh gosh well Tim, after hearing uh, Taylor Wax um, 
just prose on it because I, I suppose there was no Shakespeare. I, I'm not saying we're upset, Taylor. We're just disappointed. Um, <laughs> but what would you rate this at from a hoodie perspective, Tim? You know, I almost feel like there must be some deceptive thing, something more to this that we don't know about yet that we're going to find out later. Because I agree with Taylor. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty like basic stuff. And maybe whoever's behind it just assumes that, uh, oh, these are a bunch of creative types, so they probably don't know anything about security and they're going to click on my stuff. Uh which would be a serious misapprehension. Um, I, when you see things like the the grammatical errors on the landing page, agreed that like you've got to assume maybe that's just to sort of select in the most gullible, but who cares? I mean, if they clicked through, you've got them anyway, whether or not they're gullible. So I just don't know if that's what they were thinking. I'm not sure that was a move that's going to pay off really well. Maybe they're just not very competent. Uh this feels like about a, I don't know, maybe like a three hoodie thing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a really serious uh, security problem. There is the issue of it getting right past the spam filters and whatnot. But the page that it takes you to, you know, there's another opportunity for web filters to, um, to catch that. So uh, there's, you know, and we'll, we'll find out, I guess, how easy it is to uh, for a web filter to discover that that's a bad page. Um, but all in all, I feel like this probably isn't... Look, you're never going to completely eliminate social engineering as a vector. It's always going to be possible. So this is just a delivery vehicle for some social engineering. Yeah, I'm sticking with three. A three from Tim. How about you, Taylor? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I think in and of itself, it's not a huge concern, just this particular vector. I, I said the Avanon folks said that they've seen thousands of this, uh, thousands of attacks like this. Uh, you know, they said 400 since the new year, uh, which I'm sure has gone up since they hit publish. Uh, you know, so not not huge, not huge numbers, but not tiny. Um yeah, I'd say three hoodies, but I do think that the problem area here, this this kind of um, you know proliferation of, <laughs> of vectors that we can use to deliver things to each other, um, and I'll say for the part of like the landing page, the stuff that they were showing, they were using kind of living off the land strategies with some hosts provide like Weebly is the one that they were using, which. You know, it's those things where, hey, you get a free subdomain and, you know, that stuff can slip right by web filters, too. And then you've also got users that may be on or off their VPN or, you know, like we were all distributed. So so our visibility yeah, those stuff's a little less. Um, yeah. I mean, Taylor, me, are I you, still... uh, you opening what? champagne over there? <laughs> it does. Oh, it's <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, a, no, uh, don't apologize. Hey, we'll a basketball. Champagne on it's a basketball. Sorry, I'm, I'm holding a basketball. I thought you were maybe um, providing a ship its inaugural time at sea. Oh, this yeah. Christ christening a ship. Launching. Christening a ship. Yeah. My apologies, y'all. No, it is uh, No need to apologize. <laughs> it was just, it was just cracking me up. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, but on the hoodie thing, yeah, I'd say th three is five or three and a half, but I do think it is like one where we look back at this in a couple of years and go, oh, well, this is, this is just, you know, we've taken this and it's, it's occurred all across these different services over and over again. It'd be kind of interesting to do a breaking badness retrospective and go back and 
laugh at our hoodie ratings or be like, yeah, we were right. We saw the future. Um, hopefully more <laughs> of the latter than the former. Excellent. Well, thank you both for these discussions here. I think the the two things of note that we won't have a chance to discuss in this episode, but are certainly worth mentioning, are some of the uh, nation state activities that are happening as of late. So those two things are both a cyber attack that hit Ukraine government websites, as well as Russia's FSB claims to have taken down a rival hacker group at the request of the United States. So I'm not to put either of you on the spot, but if you have any thoughts or comments you'd like to add in this episode, feel free to. If not, we might potentially loop back to this in an upcoming episode. I mean, it seems like there's a distinctly non-zero chance that between today when we're recording this and the day that it actually drops, Ukraine might have been invaded. Uh, obviously, we all hope not. Um, but, but yeah, we'll have to we'll have to keep a, a close eye on the cyber aspect of it. Um, and uh, I I can't. I gotta say this: the arrests of Revel by the FSB that just sounds too good to be true from a cooperation <laughs> point of view. I mean, I just don't see Putin like saying, "Yeah, Joe, I'm gonna hand you, I'm gonna do you solid here and and uh, arrest these pesky ransomware actors." There's something deeper going on with that, I think. So I don't trust it. Um, <laughs> we'll have to see. It is going to be interesting to follow that. Yeah, I, I think that in a week we'll get a lot of clarity on kind of the impact of the the Revil stuff. Um, you know, we don't know yet that they maybe start targeting Russian uh, targets as well. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I'm with Tim on that. The truth will be revealed, if you will. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs> well, we'll keep an eye on that, too. But um, to end our episode here for the week, we're going to have to play our two truths and a lie game, I think, so that we can lie to each other and then have a nice three-day weekend. <laughs> so, yes, we'll, we'll part on a note of deception and yeah. subterfuge. Yeah. <laughs> I have a new theory that Taylor's opening the champagne to share with Tim because Tim is about to celebrate his victory of deceiving Taylor and I. He's up this week. He'll be providing three unique article titles, two of which are true, they're real, and one of which is a lie. There's a score that's being kept on our site. Taylor and I's ability to cyberdog sniff out Tim's deception is on the line. So I think we're, we're ready to go here. All right. And I, you know, I appreciate your confidence in my ability to prevail here. We'll find out. So here come three statements. Statement number one, red card. Fishers are social engineering FIFA 22 players and hijacking accounts. Statement number two, in the latest Log4j fun streaming service, Hulu says it has patched a new Log4j vulnerability. Statement number three, and APT35 hops on the Log4j bandwagon with a new PowerShell backdoor. Hmm. It's really this week two Log4js and a not Log4j. 
<laughs> Wait, I'll guess, I'll guess. Log4j <laughs> seems like about the right proportion uh, right about now. <laughs> I'm, I think uh, I'm going to go with Hulu. The, the Hulu Log4j statement is a lie. That's my guess. But these are all so good. This is challenging. I'm going to, I think the log4j is a, true, I'll take the non-log4j. Well, as it turns out, Kelsey, Hulu did have a log4j vulnerability, but that was old. So <laughs> you are correct that uh, Hulu log4j one was a lie, at least as far as I know. You know, this stuff is happening so quickly that between the time I picked it and the time that I just read it right now, it may have become true but uh points but yes for uh, well done kelsey me. why thank you you get points too tim because you still you deceived the great tay tay and that counts for something <laughs> it's wow. i don't think it's, it's not that hard easy to do <laughs> i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh well this has been a great episode you too, and I'm looking forward to, I'm sure, discussing some of that nation-state activity here on our next episode, which will be 109, and it'll be coming out a week from today. We're back to our usual cadence. So thank you both, Tim and Taylor, for your commentary here. And of course, we're we're going to be back, and uh, Peanut the Cyberdog will also be joining us, I'm sure. Have a good weekend, everyone. Have a great weekend. Thanks, y'all. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.